0: welcome to the 4h lunchtime ladies podcast where we help you build your 4h program one lunch at a time this podcast is hosted by Megan Schaefer district 8 4h specialist in texas okay turn the transcript off because that freaks me out oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't like to see the what all that well what all i'm saying so anyways um Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies. We are so excited that you're joining us today. We, um, I say we, it's just me here. (laughs) I have um, a super awesome guest joining me today and I'll I'll introduce her in a second. But you know, we start every episode off with a weather recap. And uh, here in Stephenville, it's very cold, but sunny and going to be beautiful. Um, I have notifications going off everywhere. I apologize. Um, but Kelly, we have Kelly Brown with us. Kelly is a county extension agent for family and community health in Haskell County. Kelly is um a longtime listener of the podcast. She's been with us since the beginning, but also a good friend. And um, we are excited to have her join us today. So Kelly, what's the weather like in Haskell County today?
1: Holly, it's about the same. You know, it, the sun is shining and it looks beautiful out there, but it is awfully cold.
0: It's like deceivingly cold.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been worrying I haven't carried my plants in that I have at home, and I know that they are freezing. I need to probably do that. Yeah, I haven't done that either. <laughs>
0: I'm like, ah, <laughs> they'll survive. They'll survive. Whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll find oh new ones goodness. later if I need to. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So Kelly's joining us today. Um, we're going to have a conversation that kind of, not kind of, it did stem from our conference that we hosted last week. We did Texas 4-H Summit last week out in uh, Brownwood at the 4-H Center. And Kelly was a part of a agent panel discussing a lot of different questions that had come in from agents. Um, but one statement that she made wh- kind of struck up a whole thought with me about we you know and, and a need to do this as a podcast episode to dive deeper because we didn't have time to dive deeper into what what she was talking about there but um, Kelly you made the statement last week at summit that we are in the hospitality business as extension professionals and I would like to dive in deeper on that and talk about that a little bit more Um, so let's let's start with what makes you think we're in the hospitality business And um, let me back up for a second. Explain a little bit of your background. Tell us, tell us who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm Kelly Brown. I am a county agent in Haskell County. I love my job. I've been doing this for six years and I always wanted to be a county agent. Um, I knew that in high school. So whenever I was picking my degree in college, um, that, that's how I picked it. It, I knew I wanted to be in education. I knew I did not want to be in the traditional educational classroom. And AgriLife Extension and being a county agent kind of allows that. And so anyway, I did my degree in family and consumer sciences. And back then we were family and consumer science extension agents. But um, anyways, before I graduated, I was talking to other county agents, my own um, from home, and they said, "Go ahead and get your master's. If you're if you're already in it, go ahead and do it because um, that way you're already in the groove.
0: And it's and too hard to go
1: back. That's right. And I I applaud those that do because man, I don't know how you juggle all of it. Right, it's, a, it's lot. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so when I was trying to decide what my degree was going to be for my master's, um, I actually had a professor approach me. And she said, hey, you'd be really good in this program. I know you wanna be a county agent, and I think it goes right along with what you do or what you wanna do. And I said, okay. She said, it's hospitality and retail management. And I was like, really? You think that fits? And she said, absolutely. We have a degree plan that is very focused on event planning. And that's that's my later on dream job. (laughs) <laughs> but I uh, um, I was like, "Yeah, sure. Let's do it. That'd be that'd be awesome. Um looking back now, I'm like, man, she was so right. But whenever i I started thinking about us being in the hospitality industry, this is kind of a new epiphany. um, just in the last probably month or so, because we we have to think about what is hospitality, What is it? And it's all about people. And without people, we don't have our jobs. We have to have people in order for our jobs to um, function and thrive and work. Justify them. Do it. And to justify them. Absolutely. Yeah. Without people, we have no job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um I actually earlier this year I have a 4-H family who um they're going through a really rough time. Their their kids, they have seven kids, and one of their oldest committed suicide earlier this year, and it was really rough. Um I've never had to experience that through a 4-H family before. And man, I I I just don't eat my heart goes still goes out to them. Just because it happened, the funeral's done, doesn't mean it goes away. Mm -mm. And these poor kids, they, they're still, they struggle, but then they also are just in this positive mindset. And so they're really inspirational. They're a big inspirational family of mine. Um, But they kind of inspired this concept of hospitality because had I not have known all the things that they're going through, if I hadn't taken the time to step back and really pay attention to them, I would have never been over backwards for them. They're a huge food challenge family. Um, and it happened right around food challenge kickoff and the mom reached out and I knew she was Thinking food challenge and I was like, wait, you you have family. You've got to you've got to take them first. You can't sit here and um, worry about food challenge. All this with 4H food challenge. I've got you covered. You're covered. Don't worry about um, getting entered entered for contests. Don't worry about um, your team getting together. I'm working on it. I've got it all taken care of. You go be with family. You go do what you need to do on the, on a personal side, um, all this can, it'll take place in the background. You don't have to stress over this part. And I think it just took a weight off her shoulders. Cause she just, you know, there's all these things I'm sure going flooding her mind, um, because life goes on. But anyways, I just thought hospitality is so much further than selling a product in retail or selling food in a restaurant it it goes much further than that and it's working with people so that's really where the big inspo came from um on this concept
0: yeah you said something it's it's further than than the food or the the products or whatever it is the the experience right it's the experience for the people and I think I don't know if it was you or somebody else said said this last week too but it's um an extension we keep the people well they'll remember us by not what what by what we did but how we made them feel And I think that goes along with this hospitality experience as well. If we make them feel like they're welcome and that they are cared for and that we care that they're in our program, then um, they're more likely to
1: stay. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Keith said that. He said, um, they'll forget what you say and they'll forget what you've done for them, Mm -hmm. but they'll never forget how you made them feel.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I I so agree with that. And, you know, the other quote that comes to mind is one that Theodore Roosevelt said, and it's, um, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And with our jobs, we come in with a lot of knowledge. We we are ready to share our knowledge and and transpose that onto all of our members and our families and everybody. But really, they don't care if you know all these things until they have a connection with you and if you haven't built that connection or built that relationship, then a lot of times they don't have the ears to hear what you have to say. So, Kelly, let's
0: focus on that for a second. How do you build that that connection and that relationship with, with your clientele?
1: Well, you know, um, I kind of call it the three C's. <laughs> and um, I've been thinking on this since you asked me to be on the podcast. And really, it starts with comfort. So that's the first C, Um, making them feel comfortable to talk to you, Um, communicating with them. So when you do know something's going on in their life, reach out, check in. Oh, you heard the kids home from sick to home from school today, sick, communicate, talk to the family, make sure they're okay. And with that, it brings connection. So comfort, communication and connection are those three ways of like really building those relationships with those families. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where else to go with that. I just feel like um, that that's not an end-all be-all by any means, but um, at least that'll give you the the groundwork so that you can build from there. Yeah, those families.
0: I, I like that too. And I, I would say, um, because I can hear the questions already from those that are maybe in, Bigger counties that say, "I have six hundred kids in my program. How am I supposed to reach out to every single one of them?" Well, you're not going to. You're not going to reach out to every single one of them. Um, but I think that you can strive to reach out to the ones that you can, you know. And, and I think starting with maybe your club managers is it. That's a great. That's a great place to start. And making them, um, you know, feel comfortable and welcome, and um, having those three C's with them. And then letting it trickle down from there. You know, we, we say that, we said this a lot on the podcast, but that the way that you, that your attitude is and the way that you make people feel will spread like wildfire. And it can either be a good wildfire or it can be a bad one. And I think that if you can start with that trickle down and making people, you know, the club managers, your adult volunteers, things like that, let that trickle down to the kids. I think it, it will and Absolutely. we'll will be awesome. Yes. Okay, so um we talked a little bit about why why we think we're in the hospitality business. Let's talk about how we can make the that experience because we talked about, you know, the the clientele experience, the customer experience while go, how can we make that experience better for our clientele?
1: Well, you know, um, I I got to thinking about this because, like I said, it is a new epiphany for me and I'm trying to figure out ways to implement this into uh, my own program Um, because I think um, you've got to, if you, I guess going back, let me go back to one of our questions that we had last week was, how do I grow a new program? I have I don't hardly have anybody in my program. And so I think that to grow that program, you you just know you're starting small. And it's kind of that grassroots effort that we always talk about in extension. Um, you've got to start small. Start from the very basics and then you'll, you'll grow from there. Um, but you're on the 4-H program, our 4-H meetings, we've got to figure out what um culture have we created for that meeting um and a lot of times that starts with our 4H officers if they're not um trained to be setting the right tone for the meeting um if they're all huddled up having their own conversation as the officers that's intimidating and if I walk in and I'm brand new and I've never come to a 4-H meeting before and there's this click of kids, I don't want to come back. Honestly, I've already decided that from the very get go, from that very moment you walk through the door. Um, so we've got to figure out what we're doing to create an inviting culture. So take that step back. What are you doing at those 4-H meetings? Um, how are you starting those meetings? Our kids like to start with a icebreaker and um, gosh, our kids love icebreakers. And I don't know if it's just because it's a game. They do. <laughs> I, you know, adults, you get adults in a room and you're like, all right, we're going to do an icebreaker. And they're, they're all, all like,
0: alone. uh, it's like the collective <laughs> <we have> side.
1: <laughs> Please don't make me get up. You know, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't want to talk to anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whenever we have 4-Hers doing activities, they're like energetic and motivated and so excited. Um, yeah, they're pumped. And so, anyways, we start our meeting off with an icebreaker as new people are walking through the door. And and I'll be honest, um, since I've started in Haskell County, we um we've kind of revamped how we market our 4-H meeting so that we do have those new faces walking through the door. We um I actually make stickers at the office just out of label paper and we pass out stickers with 4-H meeting reminders on it. The meeting's tonight at 7 p.m. and yeah it takes an extra step during that day kind of makes that day a little chaotic but we're getting new members through the door. We're getting new faces at least. They may not be a member that night but um, it's that reminder to get there so we do have new faces coming through the door and um, so where, and where where do you put those stickers? Um I hand them out to each of the teachers and they hand them to their students. Oh, that's cool. Love that. Yeah, um we just started it last year and it was a hit. Well, I say it's a hit. It's a hit because people are showing up. And I think people yeah. just aren't getting the word. And you can give a flyer, but the flyer gets lost and if they have that sticker, it's it's automatically on their shirt. Um, I go at the end of the day, so they don't lose it during recess at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it's been. Hey, I mean, it's worked for us. I don't know. Um, I know large schools probably have a, and larger counties probably have a would have a more difficult time getting those spread out amongst everybody. But um, it it has it is work. It's it takes time out of your day. You've got to plan for it. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all, but anyways, we, it's working for us. And, yeah. um, so when that new member does walk through the door that I haven't met, most of my kids have, cause we're in a small County, but when they walk through that door, um, we're, we automatically grab them. We take them, we communicate with them, we visit, um, what are, what do y'all know about 4-H? And if they don't know anything, then, um, we kind of share a little bit and then we take the kid and we say, Hey, they're doing this activity over here and we introduce them to their group. And, um, usually we have an experienced 4-H member that gets it. They realize, Oh, we've got a new person. We've got to include them in on our spaghetti tower today or whatever the icebreaker is that day. And so, um, Anyways, just kind of creating that culture um, for those meetings. Another culture item is making sure that the location of your meeting is a comfortable location. Um, Right now we're meeting at the elementary cafeteria. Every single kid that has come through Haskell um, CISD has gone through that cafeteria before. It is a comfortable place for them. They know where it is. Um, it's a large enough space for our meetings. And um, you know, a lot of times we try we in Haskell County will meet in a church for other functions, whether it's our 4-H food challenge kickoff or whatever. And honestly, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm a church goer and and I love the church, but not other not everybody feels that way. It's oh, not for a comfortable sure. place. Yeah. And um, that's unfortunate it's it is that it's hard for way. people
0: to open up sometimes when you're at a church function like that too, or like a church location. Like sometimes it's hard for them to say, I can be free and, and run this robot the way I want to run the robot or play the icebreaker where I'm going to bang into somebody else because and not just, not just from the fact that maybe it's hard for people to go to the church, but also the reverence that we've has been instilled in us for the church, building itself, it's sometimes hard to be able to facilitate those kinds of activities.
1: You're exactly right. Yeah. So I think it's important to take a step back and analyze what is the culture of our meeting and how can we how can we make it more inviting? And just again, reiterating the hospitality aspect of that meeting. Um and and what do we do with those new members? How do we keep them coming back? and i don't have this implemented but i i'm interested in collecting that family's contact information at that meeting um kind of a contact card for that new mem- new member or that new family so that we can call them the next day and say hey we are so glad you joined us at our meeting yesterday where do you see yourself fitting in 4-h and how can we how can we be a, um, a resource to you to become a member or, um, to plug you in with our other 4-H projects.
0: Yeah, I love that. Or, you know, to say, hey, are there questions that you have? Because we talked about a lot of different things last night. How can I, you know, what answers can I give you? Um, Kelly, you said a couple of different things in, in there. Um, but what I picked up on is, A, this hospitality gig is it's not just for you as the agent it's on everybody that is a 4-h member that is a 4-h volunteer and how do we get them to the point where they are the ultimate host and creating that that hospitable environment and you said something about your officers and training them and we've said we say that a lot here on the podcast like you can't just expect people to go out and know how to be hospitable, right? You can't expect them to go out and know how to do all of these things without a little bit of training. Nothing that we talk about, about how to grow your program or build your program happens overnight. And it doesn't just magically happen. You have to have some, some legwork and you got to put in a little bit of extra time and stuff to, to have those people that, know how to facilitate that experience that know how to put those icebreakers in in play they need to learn the icebreakers right um they don't just magically know how to do those somebody has to teach it to them somewhere and and then I you said this too and we've said this before but it you started that with them and it sets a tone um I think again, it's that trickle down effect that if you as the agent are excited about this and you want to grow your program and you want to create this environment and grow, you know, and and have this whole um, learning opportunity and this whole inviting place, it starts with you. And you have that attitude to be able then to spread it to your volunteers and your club officers and all of those people. And then they have that attitude. If we are hands off and kind of sitting to the side a little bit and not really paying attention to what's going on in our program or not really engaged with a lot of things, our people aren't either. And our program tends to not grow. And so I think um, what you said has just been awesome. And it kind of just reiterates a lot of the things that we talked about here on the podcast. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and you you've talked about how we can make that experience better and some of the things that you do um but how can we take it to the next level like where do you see your hospitality going from here what is the next level for
1: you well you know um whenever i think about our job we have we are we are in a fast paced job our jobs are just so quick to change we're to the next activity before we even close up the last one um <laughs> or we've got 12 activities going at the same time yes exactly and not even just within our own little program we have we have responsibilities across the whole state with our co-workers and yeah. our bosses and it's not just a there's no way we can get bored in this job no you've got too many plates to spin to get bored yes. <laughs> Yes, and whenever you think about all of that, we've got, we aren't just our little, we're not just little County Agent Kelly that just reports to our county people. Um, we we have to ask ourselves, what business are we in? And a lot of times, AgriLife Extension will tell us that there's numbers. We've got to meet numbers. We've got, they push the numbers so big. And sometimes, um, we forget to focus on the real task at hand and staying present within our within our programs and it's really important that we do take that moment to take a step back and become truly present within our program um we can't focus on you know getting these numbers pushed across whenever the hospitality side is saying build connection among your people um among our youth but also not just with us but also with each other and so um providing those opportunities where these youth are able to build that connection with each other um it's more than just learning a new skill it's it's a practice that they pick up here but they take with them much later um you have to choose to be in the hospitality business and um in our in our world in our business as 4-H um a lot of times we get stuck in we know what we're doing we know exactly what the steps are and so we have to um take that step back and i think going to that next level is becoming truly present and really seeing what's what's the task at hand. Um, are we working with those youth um, in a one size fits all? Or are we in a one size fits one? Working on a case by case situation. I think that takes it to the next level. Um, you know, whenever I'm working with my families. I think it's really important to take that step back and really get to know those families. I know I've said that already, but compassion goes a long way. And um, we all, as county agents, can think of those customers that we have that are grumpy. (laughs) They're the challenging ones. Yes, these are our challenging ones, our grumpy customers. They're not the easiest (laughs) ones
0: to be hospitable to.
1: Exactly. And I think that that's where taking it to the next level comes I, into play.
0: I also think that when we, we say that, every person listening has somebody that pops in their head.
1: Absolutely. Because yes. I
0: had like four people go through my brain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can say one person pops in, but there's multiple. <laughs> yeah, There are. And you know, the first one that comes to my mind, um, here in just the last few months, our 4-H year kicked off in September. 4-H Food Challenge is the first project that we work with in in my county, and um, I offer food challenge boxes. My county is a low income county, and we try to provide try to take the burden off where we can, and we provide food challenge boxes. So that means that they come and they check out a box, and they take it to their food challenge practices. And I'm gonna be honest, like I um I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but we just moved to a brand new office so all of our stuff um, and this office is a temporary office so all of our stuff is kind of stretched pretty far in between throughout the county um so food challenge kicks off right about the same time and we haven't really had time to look through our food challenge boxes so that's just kind of a backstory on on this grumpy customer Um, but they call and they're mad because there's items missing from their box and I could be frustrated with my team at work. I could be frustrated with them for even calling and not even thinking about me and my move to my new office. I could, I could turn around and be just as mad at them as they are at me for the same situation. Um, but I think it's important to take that step back and what do we do in this situation? It's just a food challenge box. Okay. So whenever they do call and they're upset about this, they want me to fix it. You fix it. And so my fix for this situation is give them what they want. They want supplies in their food challenge box. I personally don't have the time to go find those supplies in my um, in the resources that I have or going and purchasing new. And so I just give them the opportunity. You know what? You're missing these items. Would you like to go and buy those items yourself? Would you like to go find those items and let us reimburse you for those items that you put in that box? And it was just like this whole, it changed the entire mood of the whole conversation. Um, basically, she just wanted me to problem solve for her. And that's all that I am sometimes is the problem solver. But it was just this option where she gets to choose what items they are that go in the box. She gets to choose what the um, where they come from. And she gets to choose when they get in the box. And if that's today right now, then it's today right now. Um, If it was me, it'd probably be two or three weeks from now. And I'm very upfront with that. Um, I understand that you have an issue is kind of how I approach the situation. And we have a couple of ways of going about it. There are a few options. And either I can do it, but it's going to take a while. Or you can do it and you can have it as soon as you want it. And um, so I think it's really important to not forget where, not forget what we're doing here. Um, Don't sidetrack and just get grumpy with the customer and get grumpy at them. Take that step back and really see how can I be kind in this situation? Because that kindness carries on so much further than where we are right here. I hope that's what you're looking for. I know taking it to the next level, it sounds like, oh yeah, let's go buy all these fancy extra um, manipulatives and things to make my program go to the next level. What can I buy? And sometimes that's not something you can purchase.
0: Oh my gosh, Kelly. You said so many things there. I've written down so many notes. Like there are so many notes on my page. Um, I want to go back and talk about a couple of these things. Um, first of all, you said that in AgriLife, we, um, we're so concerned with the numbers and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I mean, I, so I do a thing every Monday. I sit down at my desk and I go through every County in our district and I, I record their enrollment numbers and see where we're at in terms of that, you know, as a district, we're at 93%, who's at hundred percent, all of that stuff. So I check their enrollment numbers. And we are really excited when someone gets to what I call the green line club, you know, they're at hundred percent of their enrollment. So their line is green now instead of yellow or purple or red. And so, um, you know, we make a big deal about that, but as I sit here and I listen to you, I'm going, okay, so out of those 364 4-Hers that you have, what kind of experience are we giving them? Or is it a quality experience? Are we going to retain those 4-H'ers? Are they going to come back next year because they had a good experience? How do we continue to get to that 100% of enrollment when we're only concerned with the numbers, but we're not concerned with the experience that they're getting? So that was, that was one thing that I got from you. And that makes my little wheels, in my brain turn of I don't need to just focus on the number. I need to focus on the quality experiences that they're getting um with our agents. The next thing you said, I wrote this down, and I want to like I want to embroider this on a pillow for everybody to have. <laughs> you said one size fits one for and what I wrote down one size fits one versus one size fits all. And we've talked about that before. Like we're in we're on iPhone. I think fourteen is out now. It started with iPhone one we can't operate with the first iPhone with an iPhone 14 kind of a kid and it's not um what works for one family doesn't always work for one kid the a, a different family it's also like like your shoes everybody has different shoe size and while we might have the same shoe size the shoes that you're wearing today might fit differently on my feet cuz my feet might be wider or i might have high arches or whatever and i think it's the same with our families is that um the experience that we offer for one, while they might look similar to this other family, it's it's totally different. And I love that one size fits fits one versus one size fits all. The other thing you said, and this is a big one for me because it, it happens all the time. That big thing for them might be a little thing to you. And I have a real issue when people call and they ask really stupid questions. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what the heck like i sent seven emails out about that did you not read your dang email come on now and i i get frustrated with it and i'm like stomping around the office and my set my poor support staff. well first of all my support staff is out on maternity leave right now so i have another one that is taking care of me out of the kindness of her heart and i'm like oh my god i can't believe that don't send that call to me you know and i get fussy and you know whatever I, I get frustrated with it and I, I have had to apologize to her several times and say, listen, that is not directed at you. I <laughs> these people are just <laughs> dumb and <laughs> it is annoying to me. Um, but I, I think I need to, to learn to take a step back. And do I do that to people too? Like maybe you sent an email. I know I do that to people. Somebody sent an email that I I neglected to read or i skimmed over it and i call asking a question about that when i could have just read my email you know and and it it is a big thing for them and you have to remember at the end of the day we're we're working with humans and sometimes the thing that is catastrophic for them or it's the biggest thing on their plate today while it might be the smallest thing on your plate because you are juggling four thousand plates at one time and some of them are heavier than others um It's a big thing for them. And if we're going to care about that customer experience, we have to remember that it is a big thing for them. And we do need to give them the time and the attention that it needs and have a little bit more patience, which is not easy for me. I'm not that kind of a person. (laughs) I have to like write it big on the wall to remember to have patience, but um, I'm going to work on that. And then go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: On that, um, one 4 H. Mom, she always is like, You just don't understand how busy I am. You just don't understand. (laughs) And I just sit here and I'm like, Huh, yeah, I, I don't understand. But, you know, I take that as a lesson to me because I do that same thing. They just have no idea how busy I am. They have no idea. I haven't sent this email out yet. They just have no idea how busy I am. And honestly, when it comes down to it, we're all busy, everybody is busy. Yes, we are all busy. Yeah. The
0: uh, the last thing I I took away from what you said earlier was um, you were talking about communicating and making sure that people knew what was going on. And um, when you had that grumpy call, you were basically letting them talk it out and then helping them problem solve after that. But I think that is like a key communication technique is when people call and they're upset, you just let them talk because nine times out of 10, they just want to get it off their chest. Um, But I think that also you took that situation and you turned it around on them where it's no longer your issue to deal with. Now it's theirs. You know, Hey, here's, here's a solution I have for you. Either you wait two weeks for me to be able to take care of this for you, or you go take care of it and I'll reimburse you for it you know, that's, that then puts it back on them and they now have the choice to either take care of it themselves or wait to be put into your timeline. And I love that. That sets a hard, fast boundary, but it also communicates to them where you're at. Like, I will take care of it for you, but this is my timeline. And I think that that is, that's so crucial in, in creating a positive experience for our people is so that they know where we are. You know, we live in a in a fast food kind of a world and not everything is a fast food kind of an issue. You know, sometimes we have other things that come up. We have those other plates that we're juggling and we have to be able to set a couple of those down in order to pick a couple more up. And we forget to tell people that sometimes. And so I think if that's where a lot of the frustration comes in is by not communicating and by not telling people exactly where we're at.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I, Echo all of
0: that, love it. Um, I think I think we've covered it all. Kelly. Man,
1: I don't have a note on my piece of paper that we haven't covered. So okay, good. We did that fast and furious. But we did.
0: we're efficient with our time. That is right. Yes. Which is You're the other people. part of being hospitable hospitable to people is being efficient with their time. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, Kelly, for uh, and. I want to. I didn't say this at the beginning. Kelly was an agent here in District Eight for a couple of years and is a good friend. And um, it's just fun to have conversations with you. We think a lot alike. But I, you were talking and I just like kind of forgot that I was supposed to be hosting the podcast because I was just <laughs> listening to you talk. And so um, thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining us today. It is a an honor to get to talk to the Kelly Brown and to get to hear all the wisdom that you have to share with us.
1: Well gosh, it's an honor to be on the Lunchtime Ladies. I um like you said earlier, I have been a long time listener since the beginning and and this is one of my places to come whenever I'm just looking for pick me up, put me put me back on my chair so that I can um be motivated to go back to the office and do my job. Sometimes you just have those those days or weeks and Anyway, thank you for doing this podcast because it's it's a huge inspiration for me. Awesome, I love it. It is also an inspiration for me. I love getting to talk to all kinds of
0: people, so and and getting to do this um, this little show. So, anyways, with that, we're gonna wrap up for this week and uh, say that we'll see you. <laughs> at the next one i don't know it that it will be next week but we'll see you at the next one and uh next episode has our favorite longtime guest running longest running guest dr Lori hubinger is back to talk to us about all the random things so uh we hope that you'll tune in for that and um we'll see you down the road thanks for joining We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms.